Welcome to Unity of Tucson. So it is not my intention to be maudlin <laughs> by bringing up this event that happened four years ago, but I felt like with everything that's happening in the world, this song had, has brought, it kind of has new meaning for me. But I love that it's always going back to, you know, the notion, I am human, I am love. I am human, I am love. I am human, I am love. That is the message that I take from this. You know, frankly, because I am part of the LGBTQ plus community, the song had a particular impact on me when it, uh, when it came out four years ago. And the reason why it was brought into this world um, but it is a reminder for me that healing as an act of the expression of divinity. You know, I talk about the healing candle, and, and, I, and I mention that the healing candle is representative of the notion that there is God, there is divinity, there is spiritual substance, there is source at the core of everything that exists because nothing else actually exists, and that the creative nature of the divine is always flowing forth. And so every opportunity that we have for healing is the opportunity that we take for the understanding of healing to be the revelation of the divine energy, the revelation of that creative energy at the core of everything. And that for me is what art offers. For me, art has always been a healing expression. Art has always been a way that I engage in healing. And so, that for me is a healing song. And I'll tell you, I can, I, every time I sing it, and I've sung it a number of times now over the, over the course of these years, um, I, it's, I always get choked up. I just always get choked up in it because it still touches me. And I think that is the power of not feeling like I'm sad about what it is, but understanding that I am choked up and I am touched by the love that is at the core and that it is love that we are absolutely needing more and more and more and more of now. The expression of that which is at the core of our beingness. I am human. I am love. That is the key for me. This is a fundamental point of my entire ministry. I am human. I am love. I feel like she wrote that song especially for me to utilize just in my ministry in general, right? That I am always out there saying, we get to be the most magnificent beings we can be because we are human. We are love. Now, 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 there are those who are going to say, but are we human, right? Because uh, Deschardins wrote, you know, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Do you, do you know, I mean, do you know that? So, so he wrote that, you know, the, the, the French philosopher. It is preceded by him saying, we are not human beings. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And I think it's time that we absolutely step into, in, step into that even further. Because I actually don't hold to that notion that we are having a human experience any longer. Because if we believe that there is something other than spirit, then we're actually creating separation. We are creating a dualistic concept in our mind, and that is what shows up in our life. So I think it is time that we start absolutely affirming for ourselves that we are spiritual beings having a spiritual experience in the world of form that is the world of form, that the world of form is a spiritual experience. Why would I prefer that? 
Why? Because it is true. If I believe that any aspect of being is not spiritual, then I am affirming separation. That's hard sometimes. It's especially hard when I see people utilizing this infinite creative power that ultimately is a power for good and that shows up as good that we, you know, we are, we are given this, we are given the use of this power as a great gift because we are the power. We can utilize this power for constructive purposes and for destructive purposes. And I see it used far too frequently for destructive purposes. Which is why I stand up here every single week and I say, you know what? Let us all take it to, let us all take to heart the notion that we are love. Let us begin to more effectively recognize that we are love always more and more and more and that we express that love more magnificently in every moment because that is the capacity that we have to express more and more love. I choose not to affirm separation. I choose to affirm that I am a spiritual being right here, right now, living a spiritual experience in a spiritual universe. There is absolutely no separation. To know who I am means, huh, you ready? Because this is, what, this is what nobody ever wants to hear. To know who I am means that I am solely responsible for my beingness, for the way I show up in the world. People so frequently want to put the responsibility on others for the things that show up in their lives. But if we absolutely choose to take responsibility for the things that show up in our lives, life gets better. To live in responsibility for my own being, for my own beingness in the world, is the key to freedom in my experience of life. Deepening into spiritual wholeness and and. and First, you know, it starts as an intellectual exercise for so many of us to deepen into spiritual wholeness, first intellectually, and then allowing ourselves to be awash and embodied in that heart space, that spiritual wholeness is who and what I am. That becomes the answer in knowing my inherent connectedness with all that is. And I, and I less and less see the world in terms of separation. And it seems to me that this is the evolution, the spiritual evolution that I keep talking about. You know, I, every week I say, our, my goal in ministry is to lead us all to the path of engaging our own spiritual evolution, of precipitating our own spiritual evolution. Because spiritual evolution is the thing that leads us into the physical evolution of our beingness. To know who I am. To know who I am is to know that I am infinitely connected with all creation, everything, whether I perceive it as living matter or not. In my experience, you know, I used to, when I was in Toronto, uh, I, there was a joke that, used, that, that started popping up because every week I would go, well, it's, it's a little far away here, but I, the back wall where I would stand on the, uh, on the uh, platform there was literally right behind me. I had a little postage stamp that I would do my service on. And I would go up and I would slap the wall and would say, this wall is as much God as I am. I am as much God as this wall is because there's no separation. And so they, they eventually did this little printout of a happy face and they put it up on the wall so it would remind me, remind me and everyone else that the wall is God, that the wall is that infinite divine spiritual source, that it is absolutely, everything is part of this infinite connectedness. 
all creation. The piano, I love this piano. The candles, everything. The rug, the flags, all of it. The nature of this infinite spiritual source is to flow freely. That is its nature, to flow freely, uninhibited by concerns or considerations of separateness. We are the ones who bring our concerns and considerations for separateness and of separateness to the experience of our lives. And you know what happens? We experience separateness. We create that in our mind, and it shows up in our experience. And so what is, the, what is the plan that we're going to take on to allow ourselves to let go of that? Stop thinking in terms of separateness. Sounds simple, but is it easy? After a lifetime of being brought up with concepts of division, it can be challenging. Charles Fillmore wrote, imagination gives the man the ability to project himself through time and space and rise above all limitations. And so my concept of separateness in any way is just an idea of limitation that I have taken into my experience. And I have utilized my imagination by perhaps listening to things outside the self by stepping away from my innate intuition and listening to things outside the self that say you are separate. The perception of limitation creates the experience of limitation. The principle that we teach doesn't get any simpler than that. And that's really, you know, essentially the principle we teach, that everything is one, we are one. Unity, the name of the organization, the name of the church, the name of the spiritual center. Unity is basically saying we are one. Our work, our work is to expand the imagination, to break down the mental constructs in any way that tell us we are limited. And you know what? It's a lifelong journey. There is no destination we will ever arrive at because we're constantly be being bombarded by these ideas of limitation. And our work is to say, I see you. I see this notion of limitation, and I choose now to know something else. I can use my mind to know something else. And in knowing that something else, I open myself up to the infinite experience and expression of life. We have the gift of imagination, the gift of intuition, and those things help us rise above our limiting beliefs. But here's the question that I have now. Where does that come from? Have you ever really given thought about that? You know, we talk about it in New Thought spiritual centers and churches all over. We talk about the, the, the notion of the imagination and intuition and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It helps us rise above. But where does that come from? Why do we have the capacity for thinking to consider something beyond the self? Where does that come from? Because the wall or the piano, whatever, which is as much God as I am, doesn't seem to have that same capacity. So why has it been gifted to us in our human spiritual expression?
I can only reason for myself that it is because it is necessary in revealing the true identity at the core of each and every one of us. There is a, there is a concept that was taught by Thomas Troward, who was one of the, uh, well, Thomas Troward was the first president of the International New Thought Alliance. If you don't know who Thomas Troward is, uh, well, I can teach a class. He was around at the, at the end of the 19th century. He was a judge, actually, a British judge in India who, in his retirement, really studied metaphysics, and he really proliferated this concept of new thought. He very famously gave uh, lectures on metaphysics and new thought, and he came up with this concept of what he called the five kingdoms of consciousness. The five kingdoms of consciousness are the uh, mineral kingdom, which is you determine, the, you determine the kingdoms of consciousness by what he called the degree of livingness, which is what is the degree of life force that is expressing through these aspects of the divine which is showing up in form. So there's the mineral kingdom, the plant kingdom, a higher degree of livingness, the animal kingdom, a higher degree of livingness, the human kingdom, a higher degree of livingness, and the divine kingdom which is, in his estimation, the highest level of conscious awareness. And that our work is to evolve ourselves through our own spiritual work to arrive at the divine kingdom. That is what he, that, that is what Jesus taught. That is what Muhammad taught. That is what uh, Buddha taught. They were all experiencing the divine kingdom and allowing their mystic concepts of life to flow through in such a way that they changed the world. We are no different from any one of them, not a single one of us. We are not limited in any way, except to the degree that we allow ourselves to live in limitation consciously. It was Galileo who said or wrote, of course, he didn't write it in English, so this is a translation. He wrote, I do not feel obliged to believe that the same God who has endowed us with sense, reason, and intellect has intended us to forego their use. So in what way are you allowing yourself to utilize your sense, your reason, and your intellect to arrive at a higher spiritual understanding? The infinite has also endowed us with the capacity to imagine ourselves as greater than our limits. Which is what really brings me to my simple point today. Who do you think you are? Now I phrase that as a question. And then I will utilize it in another way that the grammar will probably be confusing. But think of it this way. Who do you think, comma, you are as a statement? Who do you think? You are that. You are that thing that you think. You are the ideas that are flowing forth by means of your use of this infinite creative mind. Who do you think you are that? Because if I ask the question, who do you think you are, whatever comes up for you in that moment, you're right. You are absolutely right that that is who you are to the degree that you accept it as the truth of your being. It, now, if, you've, if, if, you know, if you're a part of, if you've been a part of Unity or any other New Thought community for any length of time, you may be thinking, 
yes, I know this already. But it is fundamental. It is perhaps the most fundamental part of the teaching. It is the thing that acknowledges the power that we have to recreate our lives. And so I believe it is so fundamental, it always bears repeating. And in fact, the trick is I have to find 52 new ways of saying the exact same thing every single week. Finding some way of making it fresh and exciting and new and talking about it with this angle or that angle. I'm always saying the same thing. I am here to remind you of your magnificence. That's all I'm ever talking about is your magnificence, that thing which is within you, that magnificent creative energy at the core. (sighs) You are magnificent. And you know what? In light of all the world events, and especially in a time that we are experiencing like this right here and right now, we can sometimes lose sight of that foundational truth. And so we return here for the reminder. Now the here that I'm talking about is not necessarily the physical space. It is our minds. It is the conduit for consciousness to make itself known. The greatest tool we have for refuge is our consciousness, and it means nothing if we don't use it. So in what way are you stepping up and utilizing your consciousness today? Who do you think is the point of power? Who do you think is the place where change begins? Who do you think is responsible to address what is happening in the world right now? Who do you think? You are. Not everybody wants to hear that. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that you need to be out there protesting. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that it is up to each and every one of us. But of course, if that's what you want to do, totally legitimate as well. But it is up to each and every one of us to be driven and to be led by the core of our consciousness, which which I choose to be rooted in love. To do these things, to engage in being the change, means that your work begins in mind. Do the work in mind to deepen into that sense of common unity and from there let your actions be impelled by the consciousness i talk about prayer and the and and the notion of prayer the power of affirmative prayer i believe prayer is one of the most effective tools we have at our disposal for changing the world and then there will be people who say yeah but i hear all the time when all these things happen in the world they say thoughts and prayers thoughts and prayers thoughts and prayers and i say that's great and i believe that thoughts and prayers will actually change the world but here's the thing so many prayers are left empty that they do not impel action my notion is that effective prayer is that which impels action in the world to pray and to not be motivated into activity is a fruitless use of mind. Actively participate. That is the power that we have. When we pray, we must be impelled to take action. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the language differences, ready, between religious science, which was my background, and unity, which is now the the community that I am serving. One of the things that we say, because in religious science, we call affirmative prayer, we use this funny term, I'm just educating everybody, we we use this funny term called spiritual mind treatment. 
And the idea is that it is a clinical approach to treating the mind so that we can impel action in our lives, spiritual mind treatment. I love utilizing the form and the words affirmative prayer. I know what it means. But what we say is treat and move your feet. Because we like to speak in you know, the short little uh, quips that seem to make sense, right? Treat and move your feet. But don't move your feet absent the impulsion of the result of that prayer. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you actually take action. If it is not backed by the consciousness, then the action will not do anything. It will not maintain itself. So what are you motivated to do today? What is that which is within you that is looking to be expressed? Theodore Roosevelt said this, do what you can with all that you have right where you are. So if your prayer does not impel you to go out and peacefully protest, and please, I, I trust that it's not impelling you to go out there and, and uh, you know, cause destruction. Please don't let it cause destruction. That's just my own personal take on it. But if that is not what is impelled through your use of your consciousness to change the world, that's okay. Do what you can with all that you have right where you are. It will look like something else. It, absolutely is valid that it looks like something else. Live every moment. Live every single moment of your life, whether it be public, whether it be personal, whether it be private. Live every moment with love leading the way. Because that is how we change the world. Do you have the willingness, do you have the tenacity to commit to doing this? That willingness, that tenacity at the core, that willingness and tenacity to be the best version of yourself and support others to do so as well, that is a rebellious act these days. You are a spirit in rebellion. Step up and step forth. You are human. You are love. You are the point of power. You are the place where change begins. You are responsible for the change you seek. So go out today. Choose to lead with love. And that is the homework for the week. To lead with love in every activity of your life. Now, I actually haven't done this since I've been here at Unity. These last, uh, this is my third month already. It's so strange, three months in and we're still, still virtual. But one of the things that I really loved to do to help make this practical is to give homework every week. And so then, you know, I would give homework and there would be groans. Oh, I have to actually do work. Well, the point is, why are you here if you're not willing to put it into practice? And so putting it into practice means let's do the work in the world. And so my homework for you this week, I'm going to try and make it as simple as possible is to lead with love in every activity, in every action. Let yourself be reminded that your work is to lead with love. And if you find yourself, as I did a few days ago, and I'm going to tell you, ministers, sometimes we fall off our pulpit. We, you know, don't put us on a pedestal because we will disappoint you very quickly, most likely. But our work is to get back up and lead with love as quickly as we possibly can. I found myself not leading with love actually last week. I don't need to get into the details of the story, but let's just suffice it to say that somebody said, please don't yell at me, to me. 
It was not my, one of my finer moments. And so it is my decision here and now to allow myself to lead with love in every activity and to remind myself at all times that that is the power that I have at hand. It is the power that you have at hand. You are the point of power, as I've said. You are, as I've said, the place where that change begins. Be responsible to step into the change you seek. Do go lead with love. Namaste. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.